Welcome to Make the Shift Podcast. I'm Destiny Berman, a modern marketer and a course launch strategist. After 15 years of leading large-scale marketing campaigns in Silicon Valley, I left my corporate life when I realized I had a deeper calling. Now, I help teachers and entrepreneurs just like you make that life-changing shift from offline to online in order to create the business and life they've always wanted. This podcast will give you the roadmap and the inspiration you want and need to scale your life's work by launching digital courses and online schools. The world needs what you have to offer. It's time to make your specialty your destiny. Are you ready to make the shift? Let's go. Hello, and thank you for tuning in today. Today's topic and episode is one that I deeply care and I'm passionate about. And interestingly enough, it's about nurturing your audience. So whether you're just starting out or you're continuing to build your base of 100 true fans to build deeper relationships with your audience online, one of the biggest gaps that I see, the biggest mistakes that I see is with people not showing up consistently. And when I say showing up, it means creating connection. It means offering value. And so today I'm going to talk about the three different ways you can consistently nurture your audience, especially if you don't necessarily have a podcast or a TV show. And those three approaches are videos, blogs, and emails. And I'm going to walk you through the pros and cons of each and my recommendations for each approach. You'll also have a chance to hear me coach a business owner on how she can prepare her audience before she heads into her next program launch. So here are the three different nurture formats that I like to work with. And of course, you can absolutely get very creative with this, but a micro video is approximately five minutes. So it's about five minutes. When you're just getting started, it's hard to get your full message in your teaching, even in a five-minute format. So it may end up being seven or eight minutes, that's okay. I have folks who who think that five minutes is long, <laughs> where it's like, okay, you know, can I just say this in two to three minutes? <laughs> but approximately five minutes, you're going to offer a teaching within that five minute that is speaking to a gap that your audience is facing, and you're also presenting a solution. So this is how you're creating connection, you're delivering value, and this content is recorded, and we can leverage this in multiple ways. We're going to send an email every single week driving them to watch this video. This video is up every on every platform that you're willing to keep up. Facebook page, Facebook group, YouTube channel if you have one, IGTV. So you get to leverage it where you're driving email traffic to watch this video every single week, but also every single week leading up to launch. So it's not like it has to be every single week for, you know, 52 weeks. But also you get to put it up on social media and the next level, when you start to really go into running ads and whatnot, you can drive new people to watch your videos on social media platforms. So it's really nice because it's one piece of content we now get to leverage everywhere and it really helps new people get to know you. The powerful thing about a video is that people can get you very quickly. They watch enough of your videos, even three videos that are five minutes long at most. They get a sense of you so quickly. We can get someone's energy and it builds a trust factor faster than any other format. 
That's why YouTubers can build such a huge platform. Instagram, even before they had IGTV, they were able to build that because of the photo aspect of it. But if we think about YouTubers and we think about leveraging videos on Facebook, it's because it's like, if we think about it, it's closest to TV and people can really get to know you over videos if you're willing to go there. The downside is that it takes time to get used to doing videos. So for some of us thinking about even going and producing a three to five minute video brings up a lot. The great news is you can get past this, but just know that um, you will want support around this, even if it's knowing having a friend that you trust and you make a quick video and you post it inside a private group or send it to a friend. But in the beginning, there is this crossing of the threshold with making videos. You know, how many of us started to We prep for the video, we sit down, we're going to go live, we're going to make a video. And this comes up pretty often, right? The first video, you're there all day. (laughs) You keep keep re-recording, re-recording, and by now, unless you've got proper lights, it's dark. (laughs) And I've heard this story many, many times. I went through it myself when I started making videos. So just know that it's part of the process. It's something that we see come up with our students. It's something that we guide you through. And it is very, very normal. <laughs> I've, I had this one, a client where I was pushing her to do a live and it took her a whole extra week because she kept trying to go on live, but she did one hit publish and she practiced and she sent me the test video and it was great. It was all approved and she just would not hit publish, but that's okay. Cause ultimately she did and it was great. Okay. So that's micro videos. Blogs. Blogs are great for one for search, right? So you have the proper keywords is optimized. People going on Google can find your blog, and we've certainly had people. I haven't even made a huge effort with my blog efforts, and I've had people find me through blog articles, through press, podcasts. But blogs are great because people can find you. It's easy to digest. So one thing I'll say about videos is you always want to turn on your captions because data shows that more than 50% of the people are watching it without sound, especially pre-COVID when people are watching in the office, probably when they shouldn't be watching in the office, but that's a different conversation. You always want to have captions because people are watching it without sound. The nice thing about written content like a blog is that it's very easy to digest, right? Like you can watch it when you're taking the bus to work. You can't you know, read it when you're driving the car, but the point is, is that it's very easy to have it on your tab, have a tab on your desktop and it's easier to digest. It's also easier for people to find you with search over time. The downside of the blog is that they don't get as much of a sense of who you are, right? They don't get to see you. They don't get to hear and engage with you and get that sense of engagement in the same way. And so what I recommend over time is that when, if you start with producing videos, you can always turn that into a blog post. And if videos are just so overwhelming in the beginning, then start with blogs. And then over time, we do recommend that you move over to videos. So videos are probably the highest barrier. Blogs are next. And you will be treating it the same as a video. You're going to send a weekly email driving to people to your blog. You're going to post about it on social media, driving them to read your blog, have it up on your website so you can have more traffic. Okay. The third one is probably the easiest in terms of simplest to get up. And that's having the teaching inside the email itself. The first two formats are my recommended formats, and it's more important to get this up and going versus, you know, having this delay. So if in the beginning, writing the blogs, 
Maybe it's just too much. Videos will take us a while to get there. That's okay. You can have the teaching within the body of the email and just get that out. So what happens is it reduces one more piece of content instead of sending the email to the piece of content is all contained within the email. That's the simplest form. The big thing you're losing there is you're not getting that email traffic and you can't drive ads. So the teaching within the email, you're not taking them anywhere. So we can't drive traffic and eyeballs to your blog page or to your videos if you have the teachings within the email itself. So that's like the easiest, simplest form, but there is that downside. And it's more important, the reason why we include that as one of our nurture approach is that we do have some very busy business owners who in the beginning, they just need to get it out and it's more important to get that out. Okay, nurturing is truly the key to higher return on investment because this works with your ads. If you are building your list from scratch, you're spending a lot of money on ads building that list. You have to nurture it because if you don't drive that ongoing consistent nurture and show for your people, they're going to forget about you. They're not going to remember. Those of you who have an organic audience and who have this email list that you've built up over the years, what what breaks my heart is that we're not nurturing them. And so we have this powerful list that you built up from people who know you, past clients, students, and they haven't heard from you over a consistent basis. I mean, I've talked to folks who come to me with 10,000 people on their list. And I asked them, when was the last time they sent an email and nurtured and engaged them? And unfortunately, sometimes it's like months. So we want to have consistent weekly nurturing to your people when we're leading into launch. You can take a break after your launch, but just know that we're priming and we're providing value and we're offering connection. Now, I'm not suggesting that the nurture is, well, I'm going to give you this so that you can give me that. That's not what we're talking about. It's just that we have to stay top of mind. People won't remember. You know, there is our, there is attention arbitrage issues. That is a real problem because people are busy. There's a lot going on. So we want to capture their attention. We have to maintain our visibility. We have to maintain our connection and we have to be consistent. If we consistently show up for our people, they will consistently show up for us. That is that's just the bottom line. And I see this time and time again with client results, with our results. We have to keep building our list. We have to keep nurturing them. And the nurture isn't, I'm just going to give you all this content for free and that's it. No, the nurture is connection, value, and pride, period. Okay, so Jules, let me see if I pronounce that name correctly. I don't think we've connected yet. Uh, let's see what your question is. Hi, yes, got it correct, Jules. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm in a little bit of a in-between stage. I owned a yoga studio for 11 years, and I closed it right before COVID hit. Because I was done with dealing with teachers, you know, I was just done with that whole scene. And plus I was shifting gears a little bit. Um, I have yoga for empaths. That's uh, kind of the direction I'm going. But I still have, you know, I used to have the 1800 list. But when I signed up for Kajabi, they shrunk me down to 700 based on people not opening the emails. So I've got those students that I'm nurturing uh, weekly. I've got somebody doing my emails on my social media, but I'm kind of in a, in a spot. So I just barely launched. I'm doing my 200 hour teacher training for yoga empaths and I'm absolutely loving it. I'm loving the niche because I'm really feeling the connection a whole lot better than having to hold back with people that aren't in that same space. Great. So 
I'm launching a 300 hour because I have to follow up with this 200 hour and the content's already ready. Sure. Um, but I also want to build the email list. I've got a quiz, you know, for what level of sensitivity. Yeah. So I'm, I, I kind of want to do two launches just because I've got one that's already in the works and that we're setting up for, you know, get building up people for that. But I'm not sure I understand about the wait lists. Is it basically just collecting a list of people that are interested? I'm guessing is what a wait list is. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, but then I also, with this lead magnet, want to, of the quiz, want to generate more of my email base. Again, I want that to expand more. So I wanted to have kind of a, a soft offering for them to kind of get familiar with my style and me and all of that. So I'm just wanting some some suggestions and help on yeah. what to do there. So, so the 1,800 people on your list, you're able to market to them, yes or no? Um, I was, but like I said, the Kajabis basically cut those out because people that won't open their emails. So I'm back, I'm down to 700. So I don't know. I've got to research with Kajabi if there's a way to. Yeah, we can, we can get them back. I mean, you can also upload. I don't know if Facebook will, will respond, but you can potentially even upload the thousand people and then target them with an ad to get them back. So I would say, please don't delete those emails because there are ways to get them back. That's number one. Number two is how many people did you get in your 200 hour training right now that you want to move them into the 300 hour training? Only five. Five is great. That is great. Well, you know, for reference online, it was good. It was good. <laughs> yeah, five is amazing. Um, do you mind sharing how much you charge for that training and what you're thinking of charging for your 300 hour? Yeah, my 200 hour, I charged um, 1600 And my 200-hour, I want to uh, charge $2,200. How many emails did you send to that seven to 1800 list based on how it was scrubbed to fill up the five spots for the 200-hour training? I said probably to prime them for that. I send an email out every week. So, but I don't necessarily highlight that teacher training every time. So I'd probably say close to 10. So the weekly emails that you were sending to about a thousand people on your list, mm-hmm. was it more of a PS, I have a 200 hour training and I'm going to invite you to it? Or was it more a, here's, I'm opening enrollment for my 200 hour teacher training? And yes. Yeah, so that's something I've learned from you before. I, I came in connection with you through Sienna Sherman, and that's one thing I really gripped onto was the pre-launch thing, and that works really good for my retreats. I'm able to fill up my retreats in a month. So I love that. I did do that. I said, registration's opening. It's okay. open for this period of time, and I probably gave people about, you know, seven emails to, to drum up for that. Oh, great. So you have seven direct-to-sales emails that were driving people to the 200-hour training. Correct. Okay, great. All right. So I probably won't go into this now, but I'm curious to see how many unique people landed on that sales page because then that would help me understand the conversion rate for that. But if you sent about seven sales emails to your thousand list, you converted five people. Okay. Okay. So what I would say is, do you know out of the thousand people, how many are how many are people who would be ex- who are looking for a teacher training versus just more beat it versus more practicing yoga? Yes, and that's probably. I mean, this is comes from my studio list. So from that studio list, not everybody. In fact, I hired an assistant 
from that list. And she's actually never attended a class of mine. She'd only attended my others. So not all of them have had a direct connection with me. I was just the studio owner. Okay. So what I would do is... The amount of those that want to teach her training, you know, all my other teacher trainings during the studio times were usually 10, 12 people. Okay. Okay, great. 20% of the people, maybe. Great. Okay, great. And when do you want to relaunch the 200-hour training again? Yes. My hope was to relaunch the the 200 hour this summer, but I've had some bumps in the road taking care of my elderly mother right now. So I'm bumping that to the fall, probably October. Okay, great. So here's what I would do (laughs) is I would start to uh, re-engage with people planning for the fall launch for the 200 hour. And I would even survey them to understand how many are interested in a professional development track or even a 200 hour for personal growth. So a more serious yoga practitioner versus, you know, versus they're doing classes and that's fine too, but they're just never going to invest in the 200 hour teacher training. And it sounds like there's a lot of potential with this organic list. You've got a lot of people on here. I think that with the right ad strategy and with nurturing and using even content webinars, to engage your existing list, you'll be able to drive a bigger result for the relaunch of the 200-hour training in the fall. Then you have this quiz idea that you want to use as list building. So you'll use ads there. The nurture strategy that I just covered using videos, and then if you layer in that content webinar, it's going to do a lot for your list. It's great that you um, already have the sales email approach, and I'm willing to bet that we'll want to do some tweaks on the messaging there. So I'll probably just take another look at the messaging You want to take a look at how many people, unique people landed on the sales page. But for you, I would focus on nurturing videos, content webinars, existing lists. And then you want to understand how many people on there are a good fit and would be interested in a 200-hour training. And then I would look at using the quiz, since you already have that in mind, as the lead builder for getting new people in. Then you'll have new people that would be part of the fall launch. The biggest thing I'll say is that in the yoga space, on one hand, the market is huge, but on the other hand, you have to be very clear about your specialization because the market is huge. Because how else will they understand why this 200-hour training is distinct from all the other trainings that exist out there? And because you already have a 300-hour training, your goal, <laughs> your primary focus is to get in as many people as possible for this 200 hour because if you get more like 20 people in at the uh, was it 1800 price point and then you can convert 10 people into the 300 hour now you've got okay boom right you probably would have it's going to be a really nice launch revenue and you're not far from that from what I from from what I hear so would you recommend that I pre-launch the 200 hour before I offer up the 300 personally I would focus on growing, getting more people into the 200 hour before you launch the 300. Yes. Okay. okay. Because then you can sell to the five people now, plus you get another group in the fall and it's going to be much more worth your while. Great. Great. Love it. Great questions. And I'm, I'm very excited for you. You're, you're very close to more people and more, you know, a more revenue possibility. The key takeaway here is that you must continue to show up for your audience especially when you're leading into an enrollment period because you want to build that connection as quickly as possible and as deeply as possible. And if you want to explore how you can work with my team, 
and gain our unique way of supporting our members, a combination of coaching and consulting, prescriptions, and being an extension of your team, check out the show notes for a link to book a free call. Thank you so much for joining me today. All the resources and action items mentioned in this episode can be found at destinyberman.com backslash podcast. To continue the conversation, join me in my Facebook group, The Skinny Launch Lab. And if you're loving this episode, do me a favor and share it with a friend. Until next week, your destiny awaits. Bye for now.